The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come and we're live. It's time it is Friday, February 11th, 2022. It is 5.01 p.m. Kate had a rough week, and now she's feeling great, except that she's hungry, so she's going to be eating on the show. If you don't like that, put it where the moon don't shine. It is, uh, I have made a momentous decision which is that uh, I am going to go to Minneapolis next week, uh, and therefore I'm going to have to uh, going to be in the air during uh, Wednesday's show, uh, pulling a Kate. So we're going to have to do a little bit of uh, 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 quick scramble on next week's show. But today we have an episode that I have been waiting for for a long time. It is Mike Chase playing Where's the 1001 Violation. That's a joke, guys, that a lot of you uh, probably get. Um, but for those of you who don't get it, 1001 is the statute that makes it a crime to lie to the FBI. And so when Mike Chase lies because he's, uh, you know, writes about how to be a federal criminal, we had to make it a federal crime. So... Uh, we are not allowed to have fun anymore, and that is the way we pass our time. Uh, um, uh, instead of fun, Mike Chase, welcome back to the show. Are you ready to play Where's the Lie? I am. I Do you am. can I can I ask a question about one thousand and one that I forget? Yeah. Do you have to knowingly know, you have to know that you have to know that they're an FBI agent, right? No. Oh, so so yeah. So it's and it's not just the FBI. It's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a federal not, proceeding. Federal. Make yeah. make any material misrepresentation in any matter in the jurisdiction of the federal government. And there's various subsections for various branches of government. But yeah, at the end of the day, it has to be a material misrepresentation. So generally speaking, the case law suggests that you actually have to know that your material your representation is material, and so. Me, theoretically it's, it's not like it's just right. not like a meaningless lie like it's not like yeah. a, like it's it's 80 it's like it's like me saying like no it's 502 when i know it's 503 that yeah exactly well it absolutely has to be a knowing misrepresentation but it also has to be material so it actually has to affect yes. a federal uh, or have the yeah. capacity to affect yeah, exactly. as um so um if Mike Chase is lying in this story, we're going to have a materiality inquiry um, as to whether it could affect the proceeding of In Lieu of Fun. Um, that's a separate inquiry from the truth or falsehood inquiry. So we're going to reserve a little bit of time at the end to discuss materiality. This would be in the federal jurisdiction. We're doing this across state lines. That's right. That's right. So, um, uh, Mike, uh, just a reminder of the rules. Yes. You right. are going to tell a story. The shortest story we've ever had was three sentences. The longest story we ever had from Dwayne Betts went on for a good long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, um, most of them are kind of in the 15, 20 minute range. Kate yep. and I will interrupt you with clarifying questions periodically. We will then bring on a panel of guests, three uh, of audience members, Greek chorus members. If you are willing to be a Greek chorus member, intervener in this litigation, uh, flag that for me in the ask a question box and I will bring you on at some point during Mike's uh, story. Here are the rules. Um, you can vote on whether Mike Chase is lying at any time, I'm going to put it up right now. Is Mike Chase lying? Yes. No. Uh, you can vote at any time. Uh, you can change your vote at any time. What you cannot do 
is look anything up on Google. You can not consult even a each bit. not even a little bit. You can consult each other in the Greek chorus. You can draw on your own memories. You can draw you can consult among one another. You cannot look shit up because that makes the job of the lying guest impossible. Um, so I will bring three of you up. Kate will get three questions. I will get three questions. Each of the panelists will get three questions. Then we will deliver judgment. And then we will, if he's lying, have a materiality inquiry. So uh, Mike Chase, the floor is yours. Um, spin us a yarn. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take you way back to an era that many of us have forgotten about. And it's the early 2000s. And so this story begins with Paris Hilton being driven to the L.A. County Jail to serve her uh, miraculous, I think, 24-hour sentence. Uh, I don't know if anybody for, remembers for this. driving? Yeah. And uh, so where I am is I'm, uh, I'm brand new to L.A. I, it's my first day in L.A. I drive into my apartment in a U-Haul. And uh, I'm fresh out of film school in this story. I've got my fine arts degree. I, uh, I'm now ready to make my Hollywood dream come true. And so as I pull into Hollywood and I pull into my brand new apartment, there, is, there are helicopters flying overhead and it's news helicopters because they're following Paris Hilton's car to the LA County Jail. And this is my welcome to LA. But I'm there because over the course of the preceding year, uh, as a budding film director, I've caught the attention of a couple of people in Los Angeles, and they've decided that they're going to have me move out there, and I'm going to start working on directing some films that I've, that I've written, uh, that are going to be written. But at this very moment in time, the writer's strike begins. And the entire Hollywood film industry shuts down. And so there I am adrift with no work to be had and brand new to L.A., fresh out of film school. So what do I do? You, I get, get you hire Julia Roberts. No, you become scab labor. <laughs> I should have. So what I, what I start doing is I start going to Denny's every day to like do some screenwriting at a Denny's. Because Denny's is like a well-known place in LA. It's like the hot spot in downtown LA. But then my phone rings and I get a call from a producer I know. And they said, Mike, we've got a project for you, but you need to start tomorrow. It's a documentary and you're directing it start to finish. And uh, it's about this guy. And they say this name that I don't really recognize because while I went to film school to make like action adventure movies, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't I didn't want to make art house films. I didn't want to make small films. So they say it's this documentary about this guy and you're going to start filming at his office and you're just going to be interviewing people that know him and work with him. And you've got to get powerful interviews. So I go drive downtown to this address. It's in Beverly Hills that I've never been to before. And I go up the stairs and it's like every hollywood fantasy you've ever seen it's like these little cubicles like tiny little cubicles people are like busy on phones there's like paper like flying around like it's a it's a hopping and i have no idea what's going on but it's it's a big time hollywood agency and i'm expecting to see some like famous people here it like seems like crazy busy but i don't recognize anybody so then they take me down the hall and i go into this big office and there's like a putting green in there, like you've seen, like when like the big wigs have like a putting green in their office. And over on the other side, there's like a big glass case with a, an actual Muppet in it. But it's like a Muppet I've never seen before. They like trapped a Muppet or keeping it captive? Yeah, it was like and on just like a museum display of a Muppet. And it was like a, it's a Muppet of an old guy I've never seen before. And then there's like all these display. pictures. A zoo display because Muppets are real. Yeah, but it was it was one of those human, <laughs> so this is a this is a human muppet. It's not a it's not like an animal. Is it it's, Waldorf? It's like it's like a Waldorf. It, it looks like it's an old man, right? It's exactly. the angry old man, that guy, the the Waldorf and what is the other what's the other guy? Statler. Statler, Statler and right? Waldorf. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's exact. 
Okay, That's they exactly those, what I was thinking. They're probably dead and cru- like and kind of like encased in wax or something. So that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think Muppets are an endangered species or anything like that. Like I think that they're not federally protected. Well, I don't know. Fraggles, Fraggles. Died, yeah. I mean, I, let's be I, honest. Yeah. If they if they were federally protected, you'd know because there'd be criminal sanctions associated with That's them. That's right. And actually, somebody in the comments makes a good reference. That they said, "Is it Bob Mueller?" It looks just like the Bob Mueller puppet that. Yeah, I always yeah. see Ben. Like it looks, it looks like that. Okay, so think that. That in no yeah. way, that in no way, that that memory of your puppet in no way informed this story. So I'm I'm in this office. Ah, and, that's a and, clue, guys. And I start, I start, I start, uh, I start setting up my gear because I actually have all this film equipment that I use throughout film school, and I'm, you know, it's it's relatively good stuff so i set up my boom mic i set up my camera some lights and uh, i wait for the first guy to come in and uh, the assistant brings in martin short and uh, martin short sits down in the chair and i mic him up and i don't even know what to say to mike to martin short and he's not being funny which is throwing me off a little bit because nobody introduces him as martin short or anything like that and then I they just all... expect you to know or yeah, but I'm like, remember in this situation, I'm young. I'm uh, right. So. But you're also the director. Yeah, I'm so the director. You're pre- so you're presumably yeah. supposed to know what you're doing. Right. I'm also the director. And so then I get them all mic'd up and then I say, are you ready to go? And he goes, I gotta go to the bathroom. So then I have to unmike Martin short and he goes into the bathroom and he's in the bathroom and he's, like saying stuff to me through the door, but I, the door's thick and heavy and I can't make out what Martin Short- This is like, like that Robert Durst thing. Did, did Martin Short confess to murders standing at the urinal? Yeah, there was a lot of burping. He's like, oh, the burping. <laughs> the burping. Killed them all. Killed them all, of oh. course. <laughs> yeah, Of course. I'm like, oh my God. This, and this is like pre-Robert Durst, so it's like crazy, like, right? So no, yeah, there was none of that. It's the reference when you make the Robert Durst joke. <laughs> That's right. I, if you've never watched that documentary, people, it's so good. Watch it. It is so it. good. Yeah. It is. It is excellent. So 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 Martin Short uh, is yelling this stuff to me through the door, and I have no idea what he's saying. And again, I'm now I'm nervous because I'm thinking, oh my god, this first interview is somebody famous. It's Martin Short. And then the door opens, and he goes, he he goes to me, he goes, so okay. And I said, yeah. And I had no idea what he was saying. So you've got like a secret communication that you didn't hear from Martin Short in the bathroom. That's right. While you're like a 22-year-old. But but you agreed to it. It could have been a conspiracy. I could have been, you know, but I agreed to it. So he sits down, do this delightful interview. He tells me all about this guy and the name of the guy that he's telling me about is this guy, Bernie Brillstein. I've never, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who he's talking about, but it's, I come to find out he's a famous producer and uh, manager of Martin short. So then I finished with Martin short and a couple minutes go by and the next guy comes in. It's Bob Odenkirk. Oh, and uh, I know Bob, him. O- he's, Bob Odenkirk, he's Breaking Bad, Saul. Better Call Saul, uh, Mr. Show at the time comes in, sits down, hilarious, doing an interview with him. It's Any bathroom, special no bathroom, deals no bathroom, while he was in the bathroom? No bathroom. But then at the end of my Bob Odenkirk, I kind of remember that I think he's like a funny guy. And so I try to make some hackneyed joke and it's terrible. And then I trip over the cord of one of my lights and the light falls down and it falls onto the putting green in the, uh, in the office. And then I expect him to sort of just like acknowledge that it's funny and he just leaves. And so I'm just completely embarrassed. And then the next guy comes in, and it's uh, John Larroquette from Night Court. And John Larroquette is a very tall, imposing person. If wait, is know, this the guy who's you know. the bald guy? No, he's the he's the no, he's the he's the judge. He's the very tall, gray-haired man. He looks oh. a little like Sheldon Whitehouse, a little, but like a not little bit. exactly. Yeah, I know. Yep. But he wasn't gray-haired. He has like he had like br- he had brownish. Anyway, then he whatever. did. Then he did. What, now he's when, what year yeah. was this? Uh, Wait, is that your question? Is no, no, no. This is okay. during the monologue. I'm, we're allowed to interrupt. Oh, we are with clarifying okay. questions. Yeah. Okay. Early two thousands. Okay. Two thousand seven. This is Paris and, Hilton uh, era. Yeah, Paris Hilton era. Yeah. And uh, and so so this this day goes by, and I, I somehow piece together this document. Norm Crosby shows up 
some other celebrities show up. Is Crosby Young still Nash? No, it's a different. <laughs> it's, this is no na- Norm Crosby is the the ec- the the master of malaprop humor, right? Uh, so he's an old, you know, I think borscht belt comedian, uh, and uh, still alive in the early two thousands. And so I interview him. And uh, somebody tells me Adam Sandler is going to be coming in. Adam Sandler never shows up. Anyway, so I finished this thing. I've got all these celebrities. I've got hours of tape. And I spend the next couple of weeks eating McDonald's snack wraps in my apartment. I have no money. I have no money. I have $700 to my name. And uh, I edit this thing together. And I, I just, I turn it into this masterpiece. Heartbreaking music. I find all the juicy bits of all of these amazing moments of, forming people's lives that this this hollywood manager bernie brillstein did and uh and so then, the, the uh, documentary that you were directing was about this guy bernie brillstein it's about his life lifetime it's about his life and history right and There's so what hollywood was the mogul. what was the occasion it was like somebody was trying to honor him so they were doing like a, a... lifetime achievement awards oh lifetime i see achievement awards i think you so... you, you missed you you didn't include you missed, that. You, yeah, you didn't. Well, I didn't get the part. instruction. I didn't know it for. I didn't know what the task was. I just had to make a documentary about. The, and they were going to send me the interview subjects. These were all lined up. I see. By, so you were just there. Yeah. You had no idea what you were doing. And these people no. started coming in, and you kind of figured out over time they were all talking about Bernie. I'm, oh, we're we're making a film about Bernie. I'm I'm Ger- I'm I'm George Costanza at the Penske Company, right? I'm working on the Penske file. I'm the guy who gets it. I just get it. I don't need much information. Of course, I understand. I have no information from anybody. So I'm Please just tell kinda... me the Martin Short call from the bathroom is going to like play a role in this. Uh, it already did play a role. Uh, it, was, it was weird. It was just murky, this weird thing that happened. Murky that... moment. But, 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 but when he comes out of the bathroom, he's he's... He's not Martin Short that you would think of. He's not like it's not like uh, funny Martin Short. It's he's he's raw. It's just and took a leak, Martin Short. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's he's unburdened by urine and passionate. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, he's, and he really wants to talk about Bernie Bernstein. Exactly. Who we're and not allowed to Google. And and he's right. And he is. Uh, and he's, but he's, he's really tugging at the heartstrings. And, and so Odenkirk, comedian, you think he's a comedian, but no, he taps into like the deep emotional reserves and John Larroquette, emotional, Norm Crosby, comedians, emotional. So I get back, I'm editing this thing together for this, um, this event, this lifetime achievement awards event. And it's really like, I'm breaking my own heart in this studio, 300 square foot studio apartment, like just, just. Just like this, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is like is a it tour supposed de force. to be sad. And well, I make it again. I'm I'm in you my early twenties. I'm early my early twenties. I need to like I want to like punch people in the gut, right? And uh, you're kind of missing the like, point of the assignment, I think. I well, also think that might be <laughs> so. So we'll get there. So so then. <laughs> So then I'm like, this can't get any better. This can't get any better. And then I get a call on my cell phone. They said, there's one more piece of footage, but it's coming from New York. So so you're not going to be able to film it, but they, they're going to film it and they're going to send it to you. And a, like literally 24 hours later, a courier knocks on my door and hands me this tape. And it's not like any tape you've ever seen before. It's not like a camcorder tape. It's like from like a major studio, right? And it's just like NBC Universal on it. And I don't have a player that can even like play it, but I don't want to let on that I'm not like sophisticated and I'm not the guy to do this. I want to get more jobs like this. So I take, I find a studio downtown Hollywood. And I take it. I pay out of my own money. I only have $700 in my checking account. I pay $200 to have them process this, give me a digitized version of it. And I get home and I put it in. I go, this, this is going to be good, right? And I watch it and it's... It is first thing I hear is off camera. I hear Jimmy Fallon's voice laughing. And then who sits down in front of the screen is Lorne Michaels. It's Lorne Michaels. <laughs> and he sits and Lorne Michaels. You think he's going to be funny? No, he he makes a, a, another heartfelt 
plea to the camera to talk about how Bernie changed his life. I'm like, this is perfect. This is just going to tip it over the edge. So I finish <laughs> editing this thing. I have a due date that's like 48 hours from then. I finish it. I'm exhausted. I'm running on just like stale coffee and snack wraps from McDonald's. And I deliver my my project to the, the folks that, that, that uh, hired me to do this. And just to be clear, how long is this project? Is it like... The fi- finished product is... Is short. It's a mini documentary. It's under. It's under twenty minutes. It's under okay. twenty minutes. Okay. So it's like uh, you know something that's going to be shown at a dinner. All these people with their testaments to Bernie Burlstein. True, true, but there's also a Mike Chase cut. It's like, it's like Apocalypse Now, right? There's a twenty minute version, <laughs> but there's also a Mike Chase cut, and it's got. He it's wants got to even be. More. He wants to be an act, an action adventure, right? Like. And so there's, you know, the helicopters and the, and the, the, you know, guy surfing on the, with the Viet Cong shooting at him. Yeah. No, I Randos in it. Exactly. But it's, it, it is a, it is everything I hoped it would be. And, uh, so then it, it screens and I don't hear anything, uh, for a couple days. And then all I see is that there's a little line in the Hollywood Reporter that, you know, Bernie Brillstein was honored, Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, and they then they play a clip. There's a clip of Bernie Brillstein up at the podium after this thing plays. And he stands up at the podium and he goes, wow. And I'm expecting him to say, whoever this guy is, he's the next big thing. <laughs> I'm I'm going to make him the next big director. And actually what he does is he stands up at the podium and he says... Wow. You always wonder what they're going to say about you when you die. And uh, now I know. This is like a funeral. And the place goes nuts. And I'm like, oh, my. Oh, shit. I, I just, I just offend, I just, I just offended and made a Hollywood mogul come to terms with his own mortality. I, I'm like, this is a disaster. That was the, the assignment. Strike is, the writer strike has happened. Well, it was the assignment, but remember, I, nobody told me to make it so heavy. And in fact, somebody calls me and says, "Mike, it was kind of, it was kind of heavy and a little over the top." So I'm like, "I'm not going to get hired back again." They paid me next to nothing to do it. I'm already out two hundred dollars. What is next? To, what is next to nothing? And to, all the snack wraps. I got to film to film a. You know, you got two hundred dollars of out of pocket costs. You've got some McDonald's. How much? I got paid. I got paid my. Uh, I got paid reimbursement for rental of my the lighting kit, and I got a free ad in the program of the Lifetime Achievement Awards event. Oh, so you got paid myself. In fact, nothing. Yeah, in kind. You got reimbursed got some yeah. costs. Yeah, and I got paid. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe a hundred dollars. Maybe they. I don't know. hundred. Maybe they give me a hundred dollars. But I'm broke. I had 700, then it was down to 200. I've had some incidental expenses. I've, you know, and the writer strike is happening. I'm pretty sure I'm never getting called for another job again because I just made this funereal film that, you know, has, 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 has bummed, bummed everybody out. So I, I, I pack it in. I'm like, I'm going to go to law school. So you say you went to law school. I'm, I'm done. So I'm going to go to law school. So I fly back home. And uh, I, Wait, I like really? tell my apartment I'm done. Yeah, I, there's like no, no no work flowing in. I'm unemployed. Um, the writer strike is dragging on. Conan O'Brien is doing shows without writers. He's got a big beard. You know, I mean, it's like a, it was a dark time in in L.A. So I fly back. Just we did uh, make a very funny film in this period. Or wait, no, yeah, you, yeah. there was the uh, yeah. He had Shakespeare write it. Yeah, yeah. That's and so I uh, so I get back home and I'm like I'm going to take the LSAT. Naturally, I just want to point out the that there is an incredible shift going on right now toward from Mike Chase's lying to Mike Chase's telling the truth. Uh, oh. People are changing their votes. The, the more he talks, the more plausible this story sounds uh, to people. All right. Uh, good. Um, so I, uh, I get home and I'm bummed out. And home is Connecticut, right? Uh, yes, it's Connecticut. And so my dream is dead. I'm going to have to, re- I'm resigned. I'm just going to become a lawyer. Uh, and oh, by the way, uh, I've, uh, detail. 
in the year before I flew out to LA, I self-financed and made my first feature film, independent film. It's a heist film. I, I, I spent everything I had and I flew some people out uh, to I make this movie. It? Uh, yeah, you can watch it. Where um, is it? Is it on YouTube? I want Wait, are to these watch questions? It. Are these questions about the story that I have no, to answer? I just want to oh, know. Okay. No, I just All really right. want to know if I can watch this thing. This oh, is—I okay. love a good heist film. They're completely. So, John is laughing in the background. He's like, <laughs> that. he's just like, she does. She does love a good heist film. Like, not a lie from Kate. <laughs> no, so it's called the Stamford Job. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's called so. It's this movie called The Stanford Job, and it's about a heist in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, it's all about it's, insurance companies. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and so I, uh, I'm sitting at home. I'm, t- I'm st- taking. Um, I'm just like in my room. There's like practice tests for the LSAT, like strewn around. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not a filmmaker anymore. It's over. And I'm just like taking these practice tests and my cell phone rings and it's a, it's an LA number and I pick it up and it's, um, it's the assist. It's, it's the assistant to Bernie Brillstein. And she says, uh, Mr. Chase, uh, Bernie watched your video that you did, uh, the documentary for the event. And, uh, he'd really like to meet with you. Could you guys, could you come down? Uh, could you come so back? how long was this and after? And you were like, no, I'll just schedule a Zoom. Uh, this Zoom is not. So we're, this is, we're pre. That was joke. No, no. But how long <laughs> after? So like the event is whenever it was. You've given yeah. up on your career, flown home. Yeah. And like how long after that? Two, you get two the... weeks. Two, three, two, three weeks. I, I'm, I'm very, re- I'm very reactionary person, so I, I abandon things quickly, right? It's not like a long exactly. descending your arc. Family, it's like, yeah. that this is how right. you work. That like you like, literally, you'll be like, I've ruined this. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you have a poopy diaper. I'll see you later. I'm going to LA. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> That's it. It's over. It's over. So, so, no, so, uh, so, but he doesn't. No, nobody knows that I've left Hollywood in shame. Like nobody knows. I didn't tell anybody. I'm just like uh, gone. And uh, so they he's they're calling me asking me to buzz from downtown L.A. up to, you know, Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, They think I live there still, but I can't admit that I don't live there and I've given up on my Hollywood dream. Now, the Hollywood mogul wants to meet with me. So you jump on a flight. Yeah. So I take the last. Is it like five hundred dollars? I think it's like let's let's call it like it's it's early 2000s. So like it's like two hundred dollars. It's like um it's, I'm on, the, uh, it's the age of Expedia. Yeah, exactly. I get on Delta. I get like a whatever. So I take the last, like really the last like 200. I've bought LSAT prep books. I take the last $200 I have. I fly back out to LA. I get a cab. Early, I, I'm just like, I'm like walking down the street because I'm there like hours early for this meeting. I get there and I get up to the place for my meeting and I'm in my waiting room and I've got a DVD copy of this feature film that I made a year ago, because if I can just get Bernie Brillstein to watch this, you know, he's, he's made stars and he can, this is going to be it. My dream is now back on and I don't have to go to law school. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room for like 45 minutes and I see Bernie Brillstein walk by me on his way out with, I think it's like a celebrity, but I don't know. I just see the back of him, and Bernie's uh, turns to me and he says, Hey, uh, let's do this another day. I've got to go to a meeting. And I go, sure. Yeah, of course. He goes, yeah, call my assistant and set up another meeting another day. But I don't have any money. I I got like nothing. So I (laughs) fly back home. And uh, I'm like, I'm just not going to call them because... That's how it is. Like I'm nobody. He's not gonna. He's not gonna make me into a star. I, I'm giving up on this. I have no more money. I'm broke. Let me. I'm just gonna focus on law school. And he'll never. He'll never think of this again. Uh. So then I, a, a two more I weeks maybe passes by. I'm gonna punch this guy by. in the nose. I'm gonna punch Bernie Brillstein uh, in the nose for you, Mike. Yeah. So maybe maybe two two more weeks pass by, and I'm like he's you know that's done whatever I wasted that money but it's fine. 
it'll be a good story someday for uh, a show called In Lieu of Fun when that happens someday <laughs> uh, during a global pandemic. Uh, and so then I'm driving to the gas station and I get a call and it's that number again. And she goes, hey, uh, Mr. Chase, you know, Bernie told me he really wanted to meet with you and he was sorry that he couldn't meet with you. Uh, how was Wednesday? And I'm like, Wednesday's great. <laughs> and so I borrow $200 from my parents and uh, I fly back to Hollywood and uh, I wait another like hour and 10 minutes in the waiting room. And I've got, but I've got my DVD of my feature film with me. And then I see Bernie walk by and I'm like, son of a bitch. And Bernie goes, why don't you head down? I'll be right. I'll be right in. Why don't you head down to my office? I'm like, oh, that's going to happen. So I walk down and uh, Bernie Brillstein sits down in his office with me. And, and he says, you know that yeah, I've met a lot of really talented people in my life. I, let me tell you about when I, when I discovered Chris Farley and let me tell you about uh, Belushi and he starts getting emotional and he's telling me like these stories about when, when Gilda Radner died and when Belushi died and when Chris Farley died. And I'm like, do I really want to work with this guy? <laughs> uh, but then, but then, uh, but then, then he says, and see that over there, he goes, see that, that uh, case over there with the Muppet in it. And I'm like, Oh, that Muppet is you. That's a Muppet of you. And he goes, yeah, I, I discovered Jim Henson. And uh, I don't know. Nobody wanted to do anything with him. But when I met him, he just made me laugh. And uh, he goes, you know, I like working with people who make people feel things. And I want to talk to you about that video you made of me. I, I really, that made me feel something. And that was, that was really skill. And he talks for 45 minutes and it's unbelievable. I mean, like getting the secrets of like these huge Hollywood stories. And then he says, uh, so tell me, what can I do for you? You owe and me like $800. And you're like, well, I've got these law school applications and you could write me a letter of recommendation. And I'm like, uh, could you be one of my recommenders? It's like, it's like the, it's like the, I'm like, oh, okay. So like, should I ask to, can he make me a writer on SNL? That's one of my longtime dreams. Can, can he get me like, can yeah. he get me into the writer's room on SNL? I'm like, no, that's too piggish. I can't ask for that. I'm like, what about like, can I take like the three genies, genie wishes approach and wish for more wishes? Can I just say like, can I say like, I want to like be able to call you like anytime I want. And I say some version of that. And he goes, no, he goes, he goes, what do you, what do you want? And I said, I came to Hollywood to be a, a director of movies. And uh, I have this feature film that I made here. Will you watch it? And can you help me be a director? And he goes, I would love to do that. And he takes my DVD and he puts it on his desk. And uh, uh, I fly back home. I mean, it was nice, cool meeting, but I fly back home and I kind of distracted for a little while and then three weeks passes and then four weeks passes and five weeks passes and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, he hated it. Obviously he hated it. And I can't call him and ask him what he thought of it. Cause I'm so young. If you tell me that and, in like nine months time that this movie comes out with different actors and like, <laughs> I will like, what's so that's two. That would be two on the nose. If that's how it ends, if it ends that way, it's two on the nose. Right? No. So I, I, uh, I like I'm going to start studying for the LSAT again. And uh, so you had like four weeks where you were just waiting to hear waiting. from Bernie Burns because it's a it was an it's an hour and 45 minute movie. And I figure he's going to watch it or just watch some of it. And the first 10 minutes of it are punchy as hell. I mean, it's like it's great. So I'm like, he's going to be hooked. He's going to call me and he's going to say, I, here's a here's a little thing that I can get you. And I'm, I'm going to be done with this law school pipe dream. And I'm, I'm going to be on a, I'm going to be first class flying back out, all expenses paid to, to LA, making my first movie. And um, then another week passes and my phone rings and it's the LA number again. <laughs> Holy shit, this is it. And I pick it up and I hear Mr. Chase. And I'm like, yes. 
She goes, I wanted to share something with you from Bernie Brillstein's wife. <laughs> Did he fucking die? That fucking Bernie di- Bernie died. Bernie's passed away. But I wanted you to know that uh, he went right before he was d- died, in the week before he died, he would watch that documentary that you made about his life a lot. And he loved that. And it's such a treasure. And that was it. And I have Wait. no idea if he Shut ever watched my, my movie, but my Hollywood dream was dead. And, and you went assume, to law school. I assume that my movie stayed sitting on Bernie Brillstein's desk forever. Uh, and uh, I went to law school and became a lawyer. And, and here I am. And it's, it's been over a decade later. Have you, ever that's considered, my have you ever considered the possibility that you may have finished him off? He watched your film and that was it. He just expired Jesus on the couch. Jesus Christ, Ben. <laughs> I don't I, <laughs> I who how could the world ever know? I don't know. All right. We have so much to work with here. Um Kate, you want to get us started? Okay, first of all, first of all, um are you sure that this isn't actually we're not part of a very like a long con heist movie? Like because Oh, that I would be think, like maybe very Bernie's clever. not dead, maybe this is all just to recoup your expenses on all of those McDonald's, whatever you call oh, yeah. them. Snack wraps. I don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but seriously, uh, okay. Well, one question is when, like, it sounds like from the, from the, from between, like when you watched his reaction to it and being like, Oh, like, did it sound like he was touched by the movie when you originally saw it? And then like, like you made it sound like you kind of had a feeling that he had, um, that he like, that you'd hit the wrong note with the, with like the mm. kind of the lifetime achievement thing. Um, but it sounds like you hit like a really powerful note, like a really, a really great note actually. And so I'm kind of curious as to like, basically, um, what I mean, do you look back at like the moment that he had when he came on and got his lifetime achievement award? Like, do you think differently of that moment now than you did initially when you saw it? Uh, I think um, that it was a live event, and so probably the sort of uh insult to the video was for the benefit of the crowd and not necessarily a genuine reaction. Right. Yeah. All right. I want to ask about your psychological state in this period, because it mm-hmm. seems to me like you're vacillating between I'm going to have a big career in Hollywood and I'm going to give up and go to law school in very rapid cycles uh, mm-hmm. Like you get a meeting and you're willing to fly across the country, but then you fly home right away. And so my question is, why didn't you take a near miss with Bernie? Like he wanted to make you a big star. The only thing that got in the way was that he fucking died. What right? a jerk. As a like kind of like a near miss vote of confidence situation rather mm. than a like this is the career ending thing guess i might as well go to law school i mean if if i had had that like okay you made one film and the subject of it like decided he wanted to make your career and watched it over and over and over again until he dropped dead um i would take that as like a pretty big win yeah uh, and be like all right Next, we're going to focus on slightly younger people. And so my question is, why was the interpretation of Bernie's death like time for law school rather than like, all right, next time I'm going to make a film about, you know, Mateo, who's like 15 (laughs) or something. There's still time. There's still time for the Mateo. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Justin Bieber or something. 
Um, <laughs> because uh, because when you get a chance like this, like the real the pragmatist in me says, the odds that I will ever get a chance like this again with a Hollywood be in a Hollywood mogul's office. He's he's the genie from the lamp. He's willing to grant. He says, "What can I do for you?" The likelihood that that lightning is ever going to strike twice is too low. So I need to re- I need to do something safer, like go to law school. And, you just uh, went to fucking film school and spent all this money and all this equipment. Why would you just abandon that so quickly? Yeah. Well, because the, and the writer strike is going on. Don't forget the writer strike is going on. Yeah, you no like work. hit one little bump and you give up on your dreams, Mike Chase. It, like it was a pr- it was a pretty big bump. Pretty big bump. But it was a success. That's my point. It was like you made, uh, you got one little chance, you made one little film, yeah. and it like pierced this guy's soul and killed him. Like that's, <laughs> maybe, like, that's, that seems maybe like you, maybe, like, maybe it seems the right like you misinterpreted the events. <laughs> yeah, maybe the right thing to do is to not wreak any more havoc in Hollywood. Yeah, maybe what if, it's a, what maybe if that was the beginning so of my... <laughs> You're so good at film that you kill people. And so you have to bring that in and control Nobody it. Nobody will want to work with me because they know what happens when I set my sights on your All right. life story. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, in his native habitat, what's your first question? Can you talk a little bit more about the uh, circumstances in which you got roped in to make this this documentary? How did How did they know mm. to contact you? So, uh, during film school, uh, I had made, you know, many short films. So year one, you make a one minute movie with no sound, you know, your second year, you make a little longer a movie Then your third year, you make a thesis movie. And during that time period, you get exposed to guest speakers and producers. And during the course of that sort of exposure, guest speakers and stuff, I met some producers that came to my film school to speak. And I stayed in touch with them and told them what I was working on. And then when I made this, when I made this uh, feature that I had, the feature DVD that I had that I left with Bernie, um, I worked with one of those people. Uh, they get they had a producer credit on that movie, and uh, and so they reached out to me with this opportunity. It came in through them. Mateo, you get the next question. All right, I. Jeez, um, how much debt did you have from? Be film careful! School? Be careful what you ask, Mateo, because Mike may might make a a feature film about you and murder you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no debt. I was debt free. I was debt free. I w- I had no debt. Paula, you're a green rectangle, but you get the next question. Yeah, did you have an agent? Uh, I did not have an agent. I had somebody who was, um, I considered a manager, but I did not have an agent. Kate? Um, did you have a, I just don't quite understand how you spend so much money on film school pursuing something that is so classically difficult to pursue and then give up so quickly. I mean, on the one hand, I get it. I like decided to like go into being a journalist, but I like spent three years of being starving, like as a journalist uh, before I went back to law school. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm actually kind of just very like, I also just, it kind of seems to me like no one in the right, I I also do know that you went to to film school, I should add that, that like we have talked about like doing some type of like film stuff together and it being kind of fun and like doing some type of series and so this would be great. So I know that you have this in your arsenal, so it just definitely did happen, but it seems like a very fast kind of abandonment of a dream. Did you have doubts about film school before this? Or like- Not film school. Not film school. Not film school, but my ability- yeah, two things. One, I was a realist about what other people were making at this time. And you have to remember, this is sort of the, this was the beginning of an explosion in micro budget independent cinema. And people were, you know, Blair Witch was maybe, I don't know, three years before they spent $40,000 making this movie that grossed like 
tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. It was, uh, and, and set the quality of Blair Witch aside. There were other people making like tremendous stuff. I, I like, I don't know, Napoleon Dynamite, you know, the, these kind of movies yeah. that, um, I was, uh, not certain that I could, that I was as skilled as those people Two, uh, much like, uh, the complete economic shutdown that we just saw, the time was different. It was different. This was, this is the minutes, literally this is all happening in the minutes leading up to the, the great economic collapse, the mortgage subprime mortgage crisis. Uh, and there's a feeling in the air that you'll, I'll never be able to support myself. And I was in fact running out of money rapidly. I was not, I was not going to be able to afford to sustain myself in uh, in LA. So I want to know how this relates to crime a day. Um, so you are in your public existence, a comedian, um, a kind of high substance, technical comedian. Um, and you're describing um, you're describing a period of time where you were kind of like wanted to be a director and screenwriter. Um, uh, how did that morph into, you know, wanting to anonymously, because you were anonymous for many years, document, the extremity of the number of sanctions available to federal prosecutors under the criminal code. I'm just interested mm. in the psychological, yeah. okay. intellectual history of Mike Chase from, it's a relatively short period of time between when this ends, when this happens and when crime a day starts, yeah. how does your head go from one to another? Yeah. Good question. So, uh, I grew up in a very small rural farm town. And so, uh, my, the genesis of my wanting to like make movies was not so much that I really wanted to make movies. It was that I wanted to be in movies. And the only way for me to ever be in a movie growing up in like a small farm town of like a couple thousand people was I had to make the movies, but I got very technically proficient at make writing and making decent movies because I wanted to be in movies and I often starred in my movies too, that, uh, that it was that per same performance, right? Like that, that comes with this sort of legal comedian role. It was, it was that, uh, that same itch. And then the, the depth of the legal component of it just came from, I end up throwing myself totally deep into law school when I do finally go to law school and um became like an an outrageously studious uh nerd of the law and that's where that product project got born so it was it's a combination of just like deep nerdy intellectual curiosity willing to just kind of like put in the grunt work to like comb through all these laws but then when you're a comedian or comedically inclined you're always that so anything you do filters through that lens so if you do get interested in deep subject, I mean, I could have gone to mechanic school and maybe I would have done my own click and clack radio show later, right? Like if you're a comedian, whatever you do filters through the comedic lens, but you got to pick something to do because you got to pay the bills. And so I picked as a second choice law. And so as a, by necessity, the law ends up getting filtered through a comedic lens. Yeah. Mr. Burge. What was the name of the documentary? Uh, Bernie Brolstein. I don't know what it was. I don't. I actually don't know the title. I don't. I don't know if it had a title. I don't know if it had a title. I don't know. Yeah, it may have had a title. I think it was just. I think it was like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it had a title. Mister Caraba. 
what was your parents' attitude as all this is going on? Did you tell them that you were going to L.A. to meet with Bernie Verlstein because he called you about your film? Were they always cheering on law school or... Law school was sort of like a late hatched plan in a time of sort of anxiety and, you know, desperation to like find purpose, I think. And so they were supportive, but my parents were extraordinarily supportive people just generally, like as long as I was doing something that I was interested in, I think it was okay as to whether I told them that I was flying out. Yeah, I would have, I'm sure I would have told them that I was, I don't, I don't know if I told them, but I would have probably told them that I was doing that. But I also, while I was in film school, which was, I was in film school several thousand miles away from where my parents lived. I, and flights were, I mean, dirt cheap back then. Every now and then flights were like 79 bucks on like Southwest, I think, or Delta had an airline called Song Airlines, which was short lived. It was very cheap. And so I would go out to California periodically just on a lark and like, crash and friends couches uh just for the heck of it while i was still in law school so i got very used to frequent frivolous airfare during that time period yeah paula the floor is yours um so i guess it's gonna need you to clarify and then answer a question Mm -hmm. um so like when did you get into like the scene like when did you graduate and then like who is there anyone like from your time in hollywood quote unquote or your career that like now has blown up like completely like someone like who was just a completely random person you met and that everyone thought was like sucky or like you were like this person isn't oh. gonna make it and like now is famous i w- i was probably the person that people thought wasn't gonna make it <laughs> uh, frankly i mean you know, and and now it, they call it, you when they get in trouble for selling grated cottage cheese. Uh, let me tell you, it, it was a very weird time for me. When I was in high school, I was considered sort of like a like a like a goofy like theater guy. When I got to film school, they everybody thought I was like a jock bro. It's like I like the perception was like very like different depending on my environment. And when I went to film school, law school, I was just sort of like normal like nobody like i was just like run-of-the-mill you know lost like person in law school and so in people as far as my peers did anybody do anything i i know that some folks have worked on like the marvel movies not in like i don't know that they're like 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 big title cards but they were you know in set design and they work regularly they still they other people that were my contemporaries went out to la at the same time i did and have continued to work in the business for well over a decade. So, uh, but I don't know that I would be able to name drop a person that that you would know. There was somebody who was really big in commercials for a while as like a character actor, but uh, but uh, not that I can think of. And then, uh, you know, but most people I would say, by and large, aside from me, most people from film school have continued to work either in some show business in some capacity. Um, I don't know if anybody went to law school. I think I'm the only one that went to law school. All right. Kate, your last question. Yeah. Uh, Have you made any films since this? Uh, When folks, when I was at, when I was uh, at the first law firm I worked at, um, people would when people would make equity partner they would we would make videos to celebrate them and they would be like spoof videos uh and so every now and then i would make one and invest like personal time and funds to a ridiculous degree and make them like very so like yes there are a couple that will probably never see the light of day and then and then when i left that law firm i made a farewell video that was like really ludicrous and like showed me like scooping peanut butter out of the break room, peanut butter with my bare hands and putting it back. And it was, it was gross. Great. Yeah, it was TMI. Thanks for that. Yeah. So no, nothing, no, nothing that, nothing that's been meant to see the light of day. So are, are you, do you ever regret 
the impetuous decision to abandon LA and take the LSAT? Or do you feel like that was, you know, when we look back on decisions like that, we either see them as the road not taken through which leads the life I should have led, or we look at it as the moment we grew up. Uh, how do you see this decision? Bernie Burlstein died and you decided, okay, that's a sign from God. I'm not meant to do this. I'm supposed to go to law school. Uh, how do you understand that moment for yourself in retrospect? I do. Yeah. I wish I, like when I was, I was young and I, I now it's, it's one of the reasons why I realized that like your early twenties are like, you're really young. Like you're like a kid, like in a lot of ways, some people aren't, some people are more strong willed. I was a kid. Like I was naive and I was not as strong willed as I am now law school in many ways. And the practice of criminal defense <laughs> and being in court made me that way. I would have given a Bernie an even firmer ask at the time when I was sitting there with him and I would have let him know, I would have been candid with him. I would have said, look, I'm broke and running out of money. I'm going to have to go back. Yeah. For everybody, by the way, who is uh, listening to this story, who's under the age of like 25, when somebody important asks you what they can do with, for you, you give them a fucking direct and specific answer. You don't give them this wishy-washy shit. Like, well, I want to be in touch or, you know, kind of, I want to, I'd love to direct films in general. You, you yep. give them an action item that can, it accrues been, to you your me... immediate benefit. Yeah, it, it would sure. have been. I'm. It would have been. I'm. I'm in rough shape. I'm going to have to fly back to Connecticut if I can't get on a show. Yeah. Like, like, like in the next couple of weeks. Like, could you? Is there anybody you could help get me on a show? Yep. We're I'll hold a mic. I'll hold a boom mic. I'll hold the tape. I'll do. Uh, you know, whatever. I'll be the the assistant to the assistant gaffer like whatever you want like me to do i'll do it and uh i didn't do that so that's my regret yeah that my regret is that all right but but the practice of law has been extremely enriching and i've got a lovely family and everything because of it and it's been great so you know it's like it's it's good yeah (laughs) daniel your last question you're muted daniel no he's not Oh. He's just not talking. No. Oh, he is talking. Um, hang on, I'm bringing him back. Mateo, your last question. All right. Um, well, actually, this is the first thing unrelated to this. Where in Connecticut do you live? This is not. No, this has to be your from. question. Where, where did we're you grow up? Yeah, we're running out of time question. here. All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, all right, Connecticut's all the same. Uh, can you describe the health, health age, age, and general, general physical, physical condition of Bernie Burlstein at the time that you met him? Uh, he was like a heavier guy, and he was larger than me. I mean, he was a—he seemed—he struck me as a tallish guy. I mean, I remember him being tallish. I was very thin at that time. I mean, like I was. I, I was malnourished <laughs> in a lot of ways. So he was. Oh, he all was those more McDonald's big... snack packs or whatever the fuck oh, you was, were eating. No, it was, it was like so bad. I was eating like one meal a day. I was scratch, scratching, scratching by. But uh, he was a heavier guy, but he seemed very vigorous to me. And he had like a big white beard. Like he, he had a Santa glossy kind of presentation, but he was also had a booming, like gravelly voice, too, I remember booming gravelly voice paula your last question um i i feel weird asking these questions because i don't know why this is the first time i've ever thought that like a story has been true the entire time um i guess where can we find the heist movie um like where is that on the internet? Can I buy it on Amazon None of those. Prime? I would like to contribute to um, your None. profits instead of instead of marketing. You could start marketing this instead of marketing the crime. All right, so let's so day. so let's let's hear the answer. What happened to the heist movie? It's in it's in my basement. My basement. You can't get it on the. You can't get it on. Have it in lieu of fun movie night. By the All way, right. can't get it on the internet. Can't get it anywhere. So you it's like on a DVD somewhere. Yeah, it's on a DVD. Uh, yeah. 
All right, Daniel, your last question. I don't have any last questions now. <laughs> All right, Daniel passes on his last question. We are ready to go to final. So this is your last chance to vote, people. Um, Mike was, uh, he is now at two to one, people think he's lying. Uh, I'm going to give y'all uh, uh, 10 seconds to uh, make final votes. Um, uh, he was as high as 79% uh, people uh, thought he was lying. I just want to say no one has ever had a higher initial confidence that he was lying than Mike. Um, like people like oh, when I when I put the question up, it was like immediately yeah. everybody thought you were lying before you'd ever said a word. Um, all right, it's down to 63%. I'm going to take that as the final. If you change your vote now, I don't give a shit. It's 63.1% say Mike's lying. Uh, Kate, what do you think? I think he's telling the truth. Why? Mostly because I think that that would be like the perfect thing for Mike to do is to like tell a very long kind of like drawn out <laughs> heartfelt story that actually is uh, deeply true uh, and shows. I think that like even though Mike lasted so much to, to, to put my own like sad lifetime achievement gloss on this, <laughs> there is like that Mike, Mike is. Is, is a is a true is a true dear heart at heart like yeah daniel wait you're not going next ben what's no. your verdict uh wait, you're not going next. i think i think it's probably a lie but there's probably some truth to it so Probably a lie, but some truth to it. So You're going in and out, Daniel. I can't, we can't quite. Yeah, hear we, you. we 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 got the idea. Paula, your verdict. Um, I think it's true, and the only reason I think it's true is I listen to so many behind the scenes, like office podcasts, and Mike's story literally sounds like one of those, and it's almost too serendipitous that I don't think he would ever make it up because he would think people would call bullshit on it. All right. Uh, too, Im too implausible to be uh, anything but true. Mateo, uh, your, uh, your verdict. I think that he's lying, but I think it's all true, except Burlstein didn't die. I think he just didn't call him back. But the one thing that's making me waver a little bit is I think that Mike's probably the kind of guy that really likes telling a true story that people don't believe, which makes me kind of want to say true, but I, I'm going to hold with lie. So we've got an overwhelming audience vote for lies. Kate and... Uh, uh, and Paula think it's true, uh, the naive caucus... Um, uh, Mateo basically thinks it's true, but wants to go with lie anyway. And Daniel, uh, thinks it's true with a uh, lie with elements of truth. I'm going to go with the naive caucus on this. This is a totally true story. Um, and y'all are, um, are <laughs> being suspicious of Mike because of his reputation. I will point out to you that all of the craziest crime a day shit is all true um you he know did, i think there's also the idea that he's a defense attorney who like i mean there's that so <laughs> yeah but my, but mike's like specialty is outrageous fact patterns that are in fact real um and uh and also there are things about this story that just don't make any sense and if you were going to make it up as a lie First of all, you'd spend a few more months in California waiting and running out of money. The whole going back and forth is like a fucking impetuous teenager thing. Yeah. Uh, that's just the, the and his answer to that is so unsatisfying. It's like, oh, I don't know. I guess I thought it was time to take the LSAT. No one would make that shit up. It's obviously true. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mike, the big <laughs> reveal. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. 
Yeah. This is it's my. Yeah. This is the primordial ooze from which Mike Chase uh, crawled out of. Yeah. I love it, that. It is excellent. You fooled the audience. You fooled two of the uh, three guests, but you didn't fool Kate Klonick or Ben Wittes, who peered into your soul and discerned the reality. Mike Chase, you're a fucking great American. Uh, you're a terrible liar. Because um, <laughs> I didn't. Because you didn't I lie. I love this part of my. I love this. I love. I love it when like the person who like people think makes their living bending facts or whatever is not like. I love it. It's great. I thought it was a great story. And you really and fun. you're a you're a great storyteller. We will be back on Monday. Kate, do we know who the audience is? Uh, who the guest on Monday is going to be? I think you had a guest. No, I don't anymore. We'll no, we don't know who the it's guest Valentine's is going to be. Valentine's Day. We'll it's maybe the guest John, will be Saint maybe Valentine. Maybe it'll be John Shea again. Ah, uh, there you go. So there we go. <laughs> That'll be a bunch of hours and fifty four minutes from now. And until then, Kate. I just want to say on the record that it's a total lie if Mike told you that I texted him from Iceland asking if I could bring a puffin head home or if it would be against general law. But that, if that had been his story, it would have been a false story and not a true story and you shouldn't believe it. Because yeah, that has no indicia of truth. Because um, that's not the kind of thing you would do at all. I just want to say I have a picture of that puffin head. Um, and I don't, I don't know if, if, if Mike Chase was asked this question or not. I do know that there was contemplation of importing a, like, not just a dead puffin, but a, a, a puffin whose skull was, like, protruding from its skin. There's some meat on it. Yeah. yeah. We will see you tomorrow, or Monday.